first Thursday of the month, first Thursday of 2022. And so we have set aside an hour for a conversation with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. Ordinarily, the mayor would be in studio, but given my uh, exposure over the last couple of weeks to people with COVID and the fact that it's just running rampant again through the community, we are doing this safely and remotely by phone. So, Mayor, thank you for being here with us by phone today here on the program. Welcome. Well, thank you, Jim, for accommodating, and Happy New Year to you. Likewise, same to you. Uh, obviously, not off to the best start when we look at the COVID numbers here. As I mentioned, I've I've had this impacting friends and family members, and I'm I'm guessing maybe you have too, just because the numbers are, are so uh, enormous here. But let's talk about it from the city operations perspective. With so many cases in our community in the last few weeks, how is this impacting uh, city operations? And are you looking at any steps to try? to uh, do something to, to slow this spread? Well, we, of course, encourage everybody to get their vaccination and booster. I think uh, what's happened, uh, what I've heard from some, you know, they've been vaccinated both times and haven't reached their, got their booster shot, uh, but I encourage them to do so. And if you haven't been vaccinated, please do so. We do have a clinic Saturday at the YMCA. But with uh, city operations, um, you know, my office has been fumigated recently, and same with uh, another department because, you know, someone was exposed, so we just didn't want to uh, take any chances. And so uh, that's what we're trying to do as precautionarily as possible, uh, keep people as safe and healthy as possible, and then encourage uh, workers, you know, if you're running a fever or anything of that nature, stay home. You know, don't risk it and infecting others and moving that direction. So... We haven't had a uh, preponderance of uh, infections as of yet where it would disrupt services, but if it ever reached that point, we definitely would have to uh, be nimble enough, and we went through it last year to make changes and operational to uh, make sure the services continue. The numbers are a whole lot higher than they were last year when you put mask rules in place and, uh, and other restrictions and mitigations. Uh, we have seen literally hundreds of cases in these uh, last uh, few uh, weeks. Uh, any sense at all of any additional steps you're contemplating or might be inclined to take to try to uh, make some impact on the, that rising tide of cases? Well, uh, being the health pandemic uh, and, you know, the health departments under the county, what we were able to do effectively was the mask mandate, as you alluded to, and actually being proactive to enforce it because um, he, even though there's a mask mandate through the state of Illinois right now, it's up to the local uh, municipalities or governments um, to enforce. So right now we haven't done that. What uh, we're watching is the hospitalizations. Uh, and that's what drove it last last year and uh, the end of October and November is the hospitalization. So we keep an eye on that, and uh, that will make a determination uh, whether we bring the mass mandate forward for council approval and move that direction or not. And you don't think it's to that point yet? Because from what we hear, the hospitalization numbers are, are just about as bad as we've seen. Yeah, that's what I'll have to follow up on. Earlier in the week, it uh, didn't seem, you know, there's still capacity Uh and, but that's what I'll have to follow up with uh, later this uh, in the week, you know, probably tomorrow, I guess, yeah. since we're at the end of the week, and see what the status is and move in that direction uh, accordingly. In the meantime, Mayor Jim Langfelder here with us, and uh, you're trying to get things done, even with uh, all of the, the COVID around us, including getting a, a city budget together. We're now into January, less than two months until the end of the city's fiscal year. So where do we stand on the budget and the budget hearing process? 
the budgets, uh, we're hoping to have them to the council by the end of next week, and then the budget hearings would actually start the week after. I think the first one that's scheduled with the overview, that would be with uh, myself, the elected officials, meaning um, the, uh, of course, the city council office, treasurer and clerk, uh, and then Director McCarty's overview of the budget as a whole will start uh, the 21st. I think that's Monday the 21st. And then, um, you know, we'll have those discussions over the next two weeks, and then February, uh, dive into it, and uh, that's when it's due for final passage at the end of February. The little uh, caveat to this year is, of course, with the ARPA funds, we're trying to, of course, account for what we would expend this upcoming fiscal year and then take a look out as where we would allocate funds uh, in the following year as well. I know you don't like to have any spoilers before the aldermen get the, the budget books, but can you give us sort of an overview here? Do the debits and credits all add up? Are you having to look at any uh, additional revenue to make sure that we can pay for all essential city services? How's it all shaping up? Well, on the uh, on the corporate side, uh, everything looks uh, pretty strong as far as that goes. Uh, you know, <laughs> the T word, taxes, there's no need to increase that. Uh, move in that direction. So uh, what's been helpful, of course, is with cannabis sales. That's been one uh, aspect of a promise through this whole ordeal that we've been through in the last couple of months. The other aspect is the online sales of uh, sales tax revenue we're getting is, uh, you know, kind of an added boost to sales tax. Uh, but again, the driver for us is the local brick and mortar. So those numbers still lag behind by two or three months. Uh, but right now we seem to be in pretty good shape to uh, you know, we have a positive uh, cash flow due to the fiduciary responsibilities of restraining uh, spending as much as possible, slowing down hiring and moving that direction on the forefront of the pandemic. So from that aspect, we're in good shape with the utility. Uh, you know, we're sunsetting uh, Dolman 33. That will have an impact operationally, uh, should receive some cost savings from that. And then on the water side, usage is down, especially when you take down 31 and 32. So that fund will struggle a little bit. So we're uh, taking a look at those aspects. Uh, but again, with the ARPA funds, how do you leverage those as much as possible to do the futuristic um, initiatives that we'd like, you know, smart meters with water meters, things of that nature, uh, lighting, things of that nature, and how do we uh, leverage that to move forward towards that, those future uh, more costly projects. We'll be uh, looking forward to seeing that budget breakdown when it's released in a matter of days. Uh, one interesting area of the city budget, we reported on this earlier this week, that even though the city has had a moratorium on having to pay to park at downtown meters since March of 2020, you've taken in $140,000 plus in coins from people who didn't know they didn't have to plug the meters and, the, and they kept putting money in, uh, which is not a bad take for a uh, you know, people doing that when they didn't really have to. Uh, we know that the moratorium has been extended at least through the end of the fiscal year at the end of February. Is it definitely coming back in March, or will you just continue to just leave the meters there and just take whatever coins people drop in? Uh, we're looking at the beginning next fiscal year, so that's the goal, or shortly thereafter, um, and then come up with the plan. Uh, right now, the way it looks is a pilot smart meter parking program in the um, retail areas. That'd be, you know, of course, 4th, 5th, 6th Street is the rough, uh, you know, boundary, uh, anywhere from Capitol on up to Jefferson. And the whole purpose for meters is to move traffic around. And uh, so we'll look at some aspect of that. And then the other meters make them convenient where they'd be able to at least accept credit cards and move in that direction. Uh, but right now we look for the spring to put those back in place. 
um, but we'll be flexible as we have been to uh, make sure we're doing what's in the best interest of our retailers downtown and uh, going that direction. So do you expect you'll have those smart meters in place uh, when the paid parking returns in March somewhere in the vicinity, or will you reinstate the paid parking and get the smart meters in as you're able to? Uh, I would have to defer to Director Bottom on that. I'm not sure the turnaround time. The uh, thing with the, you know, the parking meters are aging infrastructure, and so we will have to replace those one way or the other. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure the turnaround time, but we can find that out. Welcome back to the Jim Leach Show. It's our monthly check-in with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder as we talk to the mayor. Uh, mayor, uh, since the last time we talked, there has been action by the Springfield Airport Authority to uh, uh, to uh, uh, take on outside legal counsel to pursue litigation against the city over aviation fuel sales tax money the city's been collecting for years, which the airport says you were supposed to send back back to the airport for aviation-related purposes. And they say for many, many years that money uh, was not reimbursed back to the airport. I know this is pending litigation, but can you explain what's going on here from the city's perspective? We've seen from the airport's perspective their view on this. They point to federal statutes that they say make it clear the city was supposed to be sending this money back to the airport for aviation purposes. Why was the city hanging on to this money for so long? Well, the collector of taxes in this instance is the state of Illinois, and so they divide out the sales tax, and uh, you know, so they set it to the city, and uh, there was a change in, it's my understanding, the FAA, Federal Administration, uh, Airport Administration, they made the change, I think it went into effect in 2017, somewhere around there, and then the state of Illinois did not adopt it until 2019, and then so... Thereafter, that's when the state of Illinois started distributing it uh, associated with that. So that's where the, uh, I think, where the airport's claim is, oh, we should be paying when it went into effect. Um, that's the point of contention. But again, the uh, Department of Revenue through the state of Illinois, they're the ones that collect the sales tax revenue associated with that, and they divide it out accordingly to all the taxing bodies throughout the state. This has apparently been a bone of contention for a while now, and it seems to be tied into this ongoing dispute that you've had with the Airport Authority Chairman Frank Valla, uh, and this has you know been an, another uh, long-standing uh, issue here. So, how much is this wrapped up in personal conflict, and and how much of this you know were you aware of, and for how long? How long has the airport been pursuing this money from the city? I think uh, the initial contact came um, under the previous mayor, and then you know Director McCarty was in place as far as that goes. And again, it just uh, I think from the legal standpoint, it's a matter of interpretation. Again, we don't collect the funds; that's through the state of Illinois. So if this was owed, I mean, there's an error on many different facets. You know, the state of Illinois gets audited; those funds get audited; the city gets audited; the airport authority gets audited. To my knowledge, there's no audit findings associated with what the claim is. And so I did send a letter this week um, with regards to asking for a meeting with the uh, trustees or the commissioners of the airport authority and us to uh, try to come up with a sensible solution because mine's not personal. Mine's always factual-based. Um, you know, you can go back to the appointment, and I've served on many boards, and uh, I've rotated out as a chairman, came back as a chairman when I made the uh, uh uh, the proposed change to uh, Mayor Houston, or former Mayor Houston, to be the chair, there's, you know, this is nothing out of the ordinary when you have someone serving in a 
uh, chairmanship for over 15 years. I think that's, uh, you know, usually that's rare to happen. So I think uh, he may have taken it personally. He shouldn't have. It's uh, nothing more than that. And uh, unfortunately, um, I just view everything as, uh, you know, on face value, and we should move on to do what's in the best interest of the citizens of Springfield. And uh, in their case, uh, who they serve. And for me, it's always been about what additional services can we do so we can compete with the Bloomington, the Peoria, Belleville airports and have more flights going out, being having more uh, amenities for our travelers. Uh, because where we're compared to other cities, where we're lagging is definitely on that side of things. Now, when you talk about you know taking care of the people that you serve, and this is a point that Frank Valla has brought up in as much as when the airport authority voted to uh, attain uh, outside counsel and pursue this, your appointees to the airport authority board actually voted against that, even though they're serving on the airport authority board, and that should be their fiscal responsibility is to the constituents of that that governing body, uh, but are they looking out for the city's interests as opposed to the airport's interests here? Is there a, a, a conflict of interest there in how your appointees are handling their responsibilities on the airport authority board? Well, it, what it did prove is that Frank Valo is false in uh, thinking that I have a heavy hand in this instance because, as you pointed out, the uh, my appointees voted their conscience. And so you only vote your conscience. I don't care if it's a city council member member of the uh, county board or on the uh, airport authority, that's what happened. They uh, received the information, and you'd have to ask each commissioner why did one vote president or however they voted. But, some but voted they, against it, some voted, voted for it. They voted in and, the city's interest, not not in the airport authority's interest. Wouldn't wouldn't that be an indication that, that you do have some control over them when they're taking a vote that would be benefit your viewpoint rather than the airport authorities? Well, I think the uh, – and again, you'd have to ask each commissioner, why did you vote for that? Uh, do you think it's smart to take the city into litigation when um, uh, you might lose that case and waste taxpayer money? And I think that's the question each commissioner would have to justify how they voted. And so, you know, when we bring issues to the city council, I don't expect a unanimous vote all the time, but they are acting in the interest of those they represent. I never question that. And so that should be the same thing out there. So you'd have to ask the, each commissioner, why did you vote for that? And I think, uh, you know, I think uh, threatening a lawsuit is, uh, you know, what we should be doing is sitting down and seeing what's the reality. And, you know, we have a strong legal case. They want to go that route. So be it. But we think a better option is to sit down and discuss it. Can we come up with an amicable solution and move in that direction, not waste taxpayer money? Have you sent that letter requesting the meeting? And have you gotten a reply yet? I've sent it, but uh, I don't think I haven't. Welcome back to the Jim Leach Show. As we continue our monthly check-in with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder on a variety of issues of importance here in the city, we turn our attention now to some of the city's recent moves involving TIF dollars and community development block grant funds to support various projects, in particular a couple that are being boosted by the Springfield Black Chamber of Commerce and or the Springfield Project, money that uh, was approved uh, to try to salvage and restore the historic Taylor home in Springfield, also to launch a business incubator on the city's east side. And Mayor, both of these projects passing, but with some concerns about whether there's really the uh, the funding in place, the structure in place to see them through to fruition. How confident are you in these projects and that the money the city's investing in it will actually produce results? 
Well, I think uh, both projects, without doubt, will produce results. It depends what the end project looks like. Uh, for the Taylor House, uh, you know, it's a historic structure that uh, was a first, uh, to my understanding, first uh, black trade school in the city of Springfield, and it's you know uh, dilapidated. Uh, but it's one of the uh, top three historic sites on the east side that we want to preserve. And uh, so the 200 plus thousand dollars would be used to um, stabilize the structure and then this spring assess it, uh, see what it would cost to actually uh, restore it to a workable capacity, and then um, make a determination of how best to move forward from that point. And then the other one, of course, the CAP 1908 uh, Community Access Project, which is on 11th and South Grand, buying that uh, corner building and then the parcels behind it. That will be, um, you know, a business uh, social innovation network uh, incubator, if you will. Uh, and so that will be used for business support, uh, mentorship, uh, those type of activities right there in the corner of 11th and South Grand, which is a key corridor for uh, Springfield, uh, particularly on the east side, and making or helping bring that uh, area back to a greater uh, greater uh, importance than what it currently is. You know, we have some great uh, re restaurants over there. You have Clay's Barbecue. You have, uh, of course, uh, Madison Furniture, and uh, they've been long-staying uh, merchants there, but this will help stabilize it and bring it to a new level of development. One of the things that I was hearing a lot in the debate on both of these projects and also at uh, this this past week's meeting uh, when the Ferguson building project was brought up again, and aldermen seemed to continually be raising questions about, do these projects really meet our standards? Are we following proper procedures? Are all the I's dotted and T's crossed and things? And it, it seems like there's some confusion or some vagueness in the rules or a sense, at least from some of the aldermen, uh, that we are sometimes uh, not necessarily following the rules to the letter when it's projects that, that you feel strongly about. Do we need to have some more clarity, some more specificity uh, in how these TIF and CDBG funds are being used to ensure that there's a, you know, a, a really objective, concrete set of criteria to apply to these projects? Well, with the whenever you use TIF dollars, tax increment finance funds, those are, you know, um, the allocations for those are how funds are spent. Those are dictated through the state statute. So it's clear what you can and cannot spend funds on. Uh, when I came into office, we uh, did put in place a policy. Previously, it was there was a hit and miss in how things were uh, spent on particular projects. Some were funded more than others. We uh, provided additional structure by implementing or uh, actually initiating the Economic Community Development Commission that views and vets these projects and makes recommendations to the council. The other thing I put in place was, uh, you know, trying to have the standard of a third of the cost would be used from TIF and then the rest would be other uh, funding um, options associated with the project. With community development block grant funds, those come from housing and urban development. And so we have to go through a planning process and, uh, you know, express how we're going to spend those funds so they only can be spent under certain guidelines associated with that, so they have to cross the T's and dot the I's. Next up, we are going to have the... But, uh, uh, and answer your question, I yeah. think, uh, real quick on the Taylor House, the policy of a third, that's where the uh, uh, rub was with some of the council members, right. where yeah. we were spending $200,000. Uh, the Springfield project wasn't putting anything in, and that was the total cost of stabilizing the project. 
But as you move forward, whether if you're um, you know, restoring it or even doing a replica of some type, uh, that project in itself is going to escalate well past the, uh, you know, the requirement where the third that we would use would uh, you know, surpass that. It would meet those qualifications. Like a total million-dollar-plus project, right? So 200000 isn't close to being a third of that. Right. And, but what ended up happening, the council's actions, uh, was we used a third of TIF and then two-thirds cannabis funds to make that project funded and move forward in that direction. Now, the property purchase with the community development block grant funds, we uh, did 100% of that. We will put a lien on the property to make sure that it adheres to the HUD standards that we uh, portray with regards to this particular project and supporting businesses, especially in low and moderate income areas and helping those individuals. I know Alderman McMenamin on the Taylor home was concerned because he said it's just in really, really poor shape uh, and you put a lot of money in there. But if it can't, in fact, be salvaged, if they try to, to do this work and it just it, it, it simply isn't a salvageable building, have we then kind of wasted money on that? So I guess my question is, are, are, do we have sufficient standards to ensure success before you invest those kinds of funds into a project that is, at this point, it's still pretty vague. There, you know, we don't have all of the pieces in place as far as, you know, a plan going forward to actually turn that into a tourist attraction or who all is going to be involved in it, where the rest of the money is going to come from, or again, even if that building can remain standing. Yeah, actually, we had a uh, uh, RC3 grant, cannabis grant, that we asked to turn that back into a living history, uh, turning it back into a uh, kind of like a vocational center. Unfortunately, that wasn't selected. But there are potential resources from the state that we feel strongly about, especially uh, with, you know, Dominic uh, Watson's head uh, with the Springfield Projects had conversations with uh, Route 66 uh, history and potentially partnering on that particular project. So I think that uh, could be forthcoming in the near future. But really what we're doing is um, – we're trying to save a piece of history, and really it goes beyond just the structure itself. It's really the emphasis that this is important to the city. And I think too many times the city as a government's looked at, you're not doing enough for the east side. This is one way that we're actually, uh, you know, putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and saying, yes, this is an important piece of history that we want to try to save, if at all possible, and that's what we're doing. Up next will be the the vote on expanding the Madison Park Place uh, TIF to include the, the Pillsbury area, uh, and then you've got to take that back to the legislature, correct, to get them to, to sign off on that as well? Yeah, we extended the boundaries to uh, okay, include that, Pillsbury, that's so that's done, right, okay. and that's uh, action City Council has taken. Uh, but with the letters of support that we need from the other governing bodies, that would be a 12-year additional extension. Uh, it expires at the end of this year, so that would put additional 12 years of uh, tax increment going back into the fund. And the main purpose, of course, uh, one is to do an environmental phase two study of Pillsbury so we can understand what the true cost is for demolition and cleanup of that property, and that would help it be more economically uh, developable. And then uh, the other side is with regards to housing in the area and uh, providing that housing uh, support that's needed to rebuild the area. And, and all as all part of that, uh, you have the agreement to add uh, representatives from uh, Capital Township and other taxing bodies onto the city's Economic Development Commission, give them more of a say in, in TIF oversight and things. And I know that you have uh, expressed concern and other aldermen have expressed concern that you are you know giving the slots to these other bodies, but you're not getting the same consideration from Sangamon County, for example. That's been a, a pretty steady source of 
frustration for you. So uh, any movement on that or any renewed effort to say, hey, uh, what's fair is fair. Can we have a reciprocal agreement here? If uh, you're going to uh, take a slot on our Economic Development Commission, where's our spots on your Board of Health, for example? Yeah, we will, we will re revisit that conversation without a doubt with Chairman Bam Eater. Uh, but uh, with regards to the seats, it's an advisory group. Um, you know, it, uh, I've actually started that initiative when we put the school district, we have a seat when we established the Economic Development Commission that was in the ordinance in itself and through the creation. So we understand the importance of having the taxing bodies that are a part of it uh, participate in some fashion. And that's when I, at the time, uh, now Alderwoman Purchase was a Capital Township trustee. She sat on it. So... Uh, that doesn't, you know, uh, that's a, you know, proper as far as that goes. But you're right; the reciprocal should be on the public health, which uh, the city used to have their own public health department and went over the county. The original agreement was that the city would have two council members serve on that, and so um, uh, that's since been rescinded by the county, and we think that should be put back in place and move in that direction. Because, quite frankly. When there's a barking dog or anything of that nature, the ones that get the call, it's not a county board member. It's the city council members that get the calls, and uh, it would help the county in the long run uh, create a buffer for them, especially when you have what happened at the uh, animal control shelter. It'd give them uh, some coverage, if you will, with regards to having city sitting city council members on that board. We've got the lightning round coming up next. A few of the uh, other issues we want to make sure we get at least some information on from the mayor, and we'll get to that after we do this here. Mayor, stand by. All right, we're back on the Jim Leach Show, and we're wrapping up our hour-long conversation with Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder. Towards the end, we do what we call the lightning round. A few uh, odds and ends and leftover pieces here just to get quick updates from the mayor on some of these lingering issues. Uh, mayor, we know you've been in talks for quite a long time with the fire department. Uh, this is uh, involving uh, staffing issues, minimum daily staffing levels, et cetera. Any updates on those contract talks? Uh, I believe the uh, the arbitrator, unless something can be worked out prior to, and that would be in sometime in February. Okay. So uh, we're hoping to meet with the uh, union uh, sometime, uh, I think, within the next two weeks. But uh, the other thing that will have an impact on it, or could, I should say, is the consultant's report associated with the fire department and the placement of stations and everything else associated with that. We'll be watching for that. Uh, we're at the start of a new year, but twice in the last 12 to 13 months or so, Springfield Police Chief Kenny Winslow has flirted with the idea of leaving his post to take a job elsewhere. He's indicated that he is uh, uh, planning to move on. Do you have any updates on the chief status and how much longer he's going to be in that position? Well, I think, um, you know, we appreciate him sticking it out for this long. Uh, he's done a great job, especially, uh, get, you know, succession planning, things of that nature. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's sometime this year or shortly thereafter. But uh, we, again, you know, every day that we have with him, I, you know, appreciate it. But he hasn't indicated to you that he's uh, up for any other positions at the moment or is actively uh, pursuing another job someplace at, at this point in time? Well, I'd have to circle back. It's the right. I think if the right uh, opportunity came about, he would uh, uh, take hold of it uh, because he is at the retirement stage, which most officers uh, take advantage of. Uh, but he does love what he, being police chief of the city of Springfield. 
so I'm not going to push him out the door or rush him out the door. But when the time comes, um, I'm sure he's going to let me know the appropriate time and then ride off into the sunset. But, again, we can't thank him enough for what he's done for the police department and stabilizing not only that but the city of Springfield. Do you already have your replacement in mind for him if and when that day comes? Do you know who you're going to put in that chief's position? Well, uh, it, that's a whole key for succession planning. It'd be an internal uh, promotion within, and um, you know, I'll do some interviews with the, you know, the higher up staffing level, and uh, make a determination from there. In the last uh, several weeks, there have been uh, public meetings to talk about a plan for improvements along uh, MacArthur Boulevard in that uh, very dangerous intersection there at Lawrence. Uh, And we saw today in the Illinois Times some people uh, sort of speaking out against this and uh, saying that uh, the widening there, the putting in turn lanes would dramatically uh, affect the the character of that residential area. There may be other strategies. Uh, Are you determined to to move ahead with that project of widening MacArthur and putting turn lanes in there or other? Their alternative is still under consideration. Well, we will uh, make it as safe as possible. So um, I'll have to. I haven't seen the letters to the editor, but I will share those or make sure uh, Director Bottom sees those and see if uh, they agree with it. And again, with IDOT, I think they have a, a part to play in this. So we want to make any intersection as safe as possible, and that's the most. I think it's the most dangerous one still in the city of Springfield. So that'll be the goal for all of us. Any update on Hunter Lake? Uh, I did meet with the uh, new uh, uh, adjunct general of the Army Corps, um, with the regional corps, and uh, asked him for a timeline associated with that. So we hope to have it uh, uh, this month. You know, what the schedule is uh, for that permitting process or, you know, where, how do we get to the point of having a backup water source? Well, we're not scheduled to talk to you for another month, but if you get that information, come back sooner because a lot of people would like to know what the timeline. <laughs> I've only been waiting for it for I know, like 40, I am too. 50 yep. years or so, so yeah. Uh, well, when they, just a real quick, uh, when the U of I came with the recreational study, uh, at that point in time, it was supposed to be 18 months, and we're well into uh, you know, probably 12 months of that or, you know, 12 months left of that. So it should be in the near future, according to that timeline. But we want to put it down on writing what the schedule would be and what's expected. Speaking of timelines, it's 2022. When do you expect to let us know your plans for 2023 in the city elections? Uh, that's a good question, Jim. How about uh you can ask that again next month. <laughs> I will I will absolutely do that, Mayor. Mayor Jim Langford. Appreciate it. We always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for spending the hour with us. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Have a great day.